Hello, everybody. Welcome inside the TCA studio. Matt Robinson here with you. Looking forward to a really good show today as uh, we're going to be talking to Kenzie Lalonde, who makes her TCA debut. This will be uh, the first time we've ever had a, a chance to speak with her, but uh, she has been all over the place lately and climbing the ladder on a, in the, the Canadian sports broadcasting landscape. So it seemed like a good time to, to catch up with her and actually uh, a, a local. She's uh, born and raised here in Stittsville, so uh, knows all about Ottawa. She's here again this week as PWHL Ottawa hosts Toronto. I believe it is on Tuesday night, so uh, back in town, and be great to have her back on Ottawa's call. Um, I want to remind you, on Wednesday, our buddy Scott MacArthur will be back on the podcast. Looking forward to catching up with him again. Uh, we will no doubt touch on last weekend's NFL playoffs, the 49ers just about succumb to what the Cowboys did the week before. It would have been, I suppose, less of an ass-kicking, but an upset nonetheless, as the Green Bay Packers just about got it done against the 49ers. Uh, so no doubt, a weight off Scotty's chest, and uh, and we'll talk to him about that. And of course, we'll talk some baseball with Scotty, because it's only uh, five weeks now, I believe, maybe a little bit less than that, until pitchers and catchers report for uh, for spring training, and the Blue Jays... Still haven't done a whole lot. We'll see what, if anything, Scotty thinks uh, they might get done here, or or if we need to get used to the fact that this is kind of what this lineup's going to look like. Uh, also, on Thursday, our buddy Kevin Mickey returns. We'll talk to him. He, of course, works for uh, Sportsnet, and now, of course, PWHL Toronto as well. So that's a cool gig. We'll uh, we'll see what he's doing with them and, and see how that's working out uh, from someone who's right up close with the league. But the other big reason we are, of course, bringing in uh, Kevin is this weekend is WWE Royal Rumble weekend. So uh, for those of us who are still wrestling nerds, um, yeah, it's a big weekend. It's always a fun show. And look, I, I, I've i said it before on the, the thing. I used to be a hardcore wrestling fan. I am now a far more casual wrestling fan. I, I turn it on a couple of times a year. But those couple of times are this time of year, right around the Royal Rumble stretch through WrestleMania, kind of January, February, March maybe early April, depending on when the event is. But uh, but Kevin Mickey knows what's going on. He covers wrestling industry for, for Sportsnet as well. Uh, so we'll talk to him about whatever's in the news that day, but also about the Royal Rumble and about uh, his new gig with PWHL Toronto. And then we haven't yet nailed down a time. That makes me a little bit scared, uh, but still trying to connect with Lever Sage. Going to encourage him to not have me doing it at 7 a.m. our time. I'm not, I'm not good at it. Um, not a time that uh, I'm comfortable being uh, chipper and trying to interview people and and pretending that I don't hate the world. I normally, I'll wake up around that time of day, but I am not ready to socialize that time of day and certainly sound friendly and happy on a microphone. So we're going to ask Lee if we can push it back just a little bit, maybe not quite 7 a.m. again. So uh, we haven't quite nailed down the time yet, though, uh, but if we can get that done, You'll hear Lever Sage probably on Friday here on the podcast. So that'll be a lot of fun as well uh, as he has moved on from Italy to Portugal. So that is what is coming up this week on the podcast. Today's guest over the last month has been doing uh, reporting on the World Juniors, made her World Junior play-by-play debut, came home to do the women's under 18 and is now fully into the PWHL rotation and somehow through that schedule has found a little time for us today. Kenzie Lalonde is here. How's it going today, Kenzie? Good. When you put in my recent itinerary like that, it makes me feel very tired, but happy <laughs> also. <laughs> um, I'm curious, have you ever had, like, I know they keep you pretty busy. Have you ever had a stretch quite like this one? 
Yeah, I mean, it was just kind of like last year. It's pretty incredible to have the opportunity to be a part of the World Junior coverage. And then the funny thing about that is myself and Cheryl Pounder also cover the U18 Women's Worlds. And so that usually happens the next day or two days after the World Juniors end. So it was kind of a carbon copy of last year. However, last year's World Juniors were at least in the Eastern time zone. We were in right. Halifax. So to kind of jump from from Gothenburg, Sweden, to, to then jump into a, a Switzerland tournament, was uh yeah was a was a quick transition but you know you kind of it's like those tournaments as soon as you're in it you're in it so you kind of block out reality in those moments and you're kind of just all hockey so it becomes pretty easy surprisingly one of the things I wanted to ask you about was the the challenge of of a stretch like this because obviously you know you can sit down ahead of time and kind of get familiar with the names on the teams that you're going to be calling but one of the things that's important in these broadcasts is sort of the context and the history and some of the stories about some of these players or tidbits you're picking up from being around the rink or um, you know around the program and I would think jumping around that quick might limit your ability. Like, how do you prepare for, like, are, is your mind already looking ahead to the under 18 while you're still doing the World Juniors, trying to get prepared, looking at what's happening in the PWHL? How do you kind of get ready for all of this in such a short span? The beauty of multitasking <laughs> is what I like to say. A little bit of both. Also, having it on your schedule ahead of time allows you to prepare accordingly. So, Mid December, sorry, mid November, early December. I'm already starting my preparation for it all. So, making sure to not leave it to the last minute really helps because, as you said, it's context. And I think more importantly, the U18 Women's Worlds. That's an age group where no one knows anything about you know a, a 14 year old German girl sure. or the story of a young 17 year old Finnish player. So. There's not much information readily available online, so you really do have to, if you want to be able to tell those stories, you have to pick up the phone and and call people and, and find out more um, and, and get in contact with their, their federations and their incredible PR people who, who really do help us making sure we identify some unique stories. Um, you know, it was, it was pretty neat. This last world championship, we got to see Susanna Tappany's younger cousin, Tina Tappany, <laughs> who looked just like her, plays ringette as well. And so knowing little tidbits like that is, is pretty exciting. Um, so it's a little bit of multitasking while I was at the world juniors, I was making, finalizing my, my U18 rosters because those rosters don't really officially get finalized till a few days before the tournament starts. So there were still some last minute changes. So going into that world junior gold medal game, I was simultaneously printing my, my Sweden and my, and my Czechia U18 roster. So <laughs> it's a little bit of everything. It's a, it's a labor of love. And luckily, uh, you know, we have a, a really good printer that's firing on all cylinders uh, <laughs> at these tournaments. Um, we're going to jump around here a little bit because you've been everywhere here recently. So I hope you'll forgive me for that. But I, I'm curious, you know, you just wrapped up the, the World Juniors and this was a disappointing year for Canada. But we kind of went into the tournament. There was sort of some talk that, you know, Sweden and USA were kind of the cream of the crop this year and Canada might struggle a little bit. Was that evident to you as soon as you got there and were watching them practice that this may not be... Canada's year did you think that if things fell the right way they might be able to get on a run uh how did you sort of view this group and and how they ended up bowing out I think as a group it was exciting to see them go to work together that's always the most exciting part is how will they find chemistry early 
the odds were were not in their favor to start off just with some of the injuries and interest in Leno not being able to take part. So they had some last minute changes to some core pieces that I think really could have made a difference for them. So seeing them kind of struggle with those um, last minute roster changes, you feel for them. Um, and then as the tournament went on, you look at Sweden, a team in particular, a lot of them had played together at the U18 level. And so that familiarity was evident. And so I really do think they had a leg up and Jonathan Lekaramaki was without a doubt, a change maker for them. I think in a way you could kind of look at, um, Macklin Celebrini as well for Canada who got started, you know, a little, a few games in, I think he started to find his rhythm, Mm -hmm. but, um, you know, Canada really needed to find that that difference maker when you're coming off a year where there's someone like Connor Bedard who just dominates every game. Um, it had a different flavor to this group, and they knew they were going to have to work as a unit and find their chemistry. And I think they started to find it just a little too late, and and so the time was kind of against them in that capacity. Um, and then the United States team was just so fun to watch. Um, you know, here covering the Montreal Canadiens to to see Hudson kind of up close and see what he can do and see what he's like behind the scenes and um, watching him and warm up, get that up close personal perspective on what kind of player he can be at the NHL level. I'm really excited and I hope the Habs fan base can be too because that tournament really showcases the the stars of tomorrow. It's bold to come on this show and wish for happiness for Habs fans. I uh, I appreciate that. But uh, um, I, I wanted to ask you, because we only fast forward like two weeks from the day that uh, that the Czech Republic eliminates Canada at the World Juniors in the quarterfinal to the under-18, and it's, uh, it's Czechia again taking down Canada, this time in the semifinal. We always say at the World Juniors that it's good for the tournament when someone else wins it. Is is it similar at the under 18 that that somebody else has broken through and is upsetting Canada is, you know, I know you'd, you'd know some of these Canadian women pretty well. Um, it's got to be difficult to see them, you know, not achieve the goal that they had laid out for themselves. Where do you find the balance there? And, and what do you think of of Czechia putting on a strong performance here at the uh, the women's under 18? Yeah, I think both men and women's when when other countries can beat Canada, beat the United States, beat these powerhouses, that is a good thing for the game. Um, Canada, when you look at the U18 team at the Women's Worlds, they were without a doubt the favorites. They had a very, very good team. Um, but I, you know, Sweden was was finding their way as well, and and Czechia is right there with them. We always talk in the women's game. Canada, the United States, Finland's been there for a while. Now it's Czechia. Now it's Sweden. Those conversations are starting to come back. And you look at Czechia and what they were able to do. They had a top line that found a way to be effective and a hot goaltender will always save teams that may not have the depth. So if you have a very good goaltender, which Czechia did and, and Shankova, she was a difference maker. She earned that top goaltender award without a doubt. And um, funny enough, the, the captain of the Czechia U18 women's world team, her name is Shapovalov Vova. Her brother Shapovalov was at the men's world junior. Oh, wow. So that's her brother. <laughs> and you could see it. The They look the same. They skate the same. <laughs> they have similar builds. And so to see her be a difference maker for the women's team was, you know, a carbon copy of what her brother can do at the world junior stage. And the, you know, the hockey is exciting. What's coming up in the Czechia program for both the men and the women and a big piece to why Czechia is starting to develop this talent at a younger age is their general manager, Teresa Sadalova. She's a younger general manager, and she works tirelessly to make sure that with 
you know, smaller budgets, the girls can compete with these powerhouse nations like Canada and the United States. You have to give it to those people that are putting in the putting in um, the work behind the scenes to give their athletes a chance to play with the big dogs. And we're finding that success now. I do feel for the Canadians. That was one of the best teams I've seen in a while at the U18 stage. But it all comes down to one single game. And you hear Cheryl Bowner talk about it a lot. Anything can happen when it comes down to one game. When you're not tested in your preliminary round and you play teams where you're blowing them out 10 nothing, and you get into that do-or-die game, really anything can happen. And so Czechia found a way and good on them for the first time ever. They they, are, they went home with a silver medal. They got a shout-out from their president. Oh, I wow. think they had of 600,000 people tuning into that game back home. So the future is bright for, for Czechia. And what's lucky now is there's about uh, three three players, three or four players in the PWHL from Czechia continuing to, to showcase um, the talent that that country has in the women's game. Their uh, senior women's head coach is going to become pretty popular here in the nation's capital as well, I would think. So. And Carla McLeod, and I'm glad you brought her out because she is... Again, another core fundamental piece to why that program is seeing results. She has found a way to integrate joy into the game again. She knows her X's and O's, but she makes sure that the players are working hard and having fun. She she gets everyone to buy in, and that is so hard to do, whether you're a university coach, whether you're a minor hockey coach. To get everyone on the same page has to be the hardest thing yeah. you can do, and she finds a way, and that gets results. I think this Ottawa team in the PWHL is, is so exciting when you have leaders like Brianne Jenner, Emirates Mashmeyer, and and talent as well, and tough overtime loss the other night yeah. at PD Place Arena, but I have a feeling a win's coming soon in that in that ring hopefully next week when uh, boston's jamie lee rattray canada's own returns home and and has a hopefully a big warm welcome and maybe the home team can come out on top that night yeah and uh, i want to ask you a little about the PA, uh, pwhl here in a couple of minutes but I, i'm curious you know you mentioned that these other countries are starting to to close the gap a little bit where are we in that regard because you know, it, I don't know whether you would view this Czechia win over Canada as a, a moonshot, a one in a million, or, you know, you mentioned some of these other countries that have come along a little bit. How it's always been the concern in women's hockey that it was Canada, USA and everybody else. But we do see that gap closing. How I don't know if you can quantify it, but like, where are we at in that development and, and how far away are we from it being a regular occurrence that these other countries are knocking off Canada and the USA? I think a big piece to the future of closing that gap is the creation of the PWHL. Now that there is one fundamental league that has proper financial backing where the athletes are put first and really is best on best talent and they're getting paid accordingly will help to close that gap. I think that's going to be instrumental. I, you know, I, I really do am I'm excited to see how that starts to have the trickle effect down to the national programs. I will always believe that the Olympics will be the epitome for all female athletes. You'll want to complete at the, at the Olympic games and seeing them now with a world championship being held in an Olympic year. That's a lot of hockey. That's your full season, the Olympics, the league will pause for a world championship. I guess it'll be in August. So they'll be out of season, but, um, (laughs) It's going to be a lot of hockey, and I think it's going to help speed speed up this process. Um, but it's happening, and that's what's so exciting. Um, and a lot of it is the strong athletes in their countries going back to their development programs and lending hand. 
I want to talk about you for a minute and, and go back to your university days where you're competing as an athlete and it's towards the end of that career that you decide to get involved in, in communications and, and want to start to, to branch out into broadcasting. Do you know right away when you're getting into that world that play-by-play is what you want to do? Are you open to doing hosting or reporting? Like, Do you have a path or do you just know that this is an industry I want to be a part of and let the cards sort of fall, fall where they may? Yeah, it's a really good question. <clears throat> when I got into it, um, I thought I'd want to do reporting, interviewing. Um, that's how I kind of started. I hosted YouTube shows for my athletic department and then started to work with a community TV uh, company right after university. And that really opened my eyes to the world of television and some of the roles behind the scenes that I didn't think in a million years were jobs. And that's what you hear people say, you know, if you're like at a work party or you're at an event with friends and you hear what people do for a living and you're like, that's a job. What? <laughs> you just hear of so many unique roles in the world. And that can be said in television as well. So as soon as I got exposed to what a television production company does and the roles, I really fell in love with it. Um, and the role of play by play, no, I, that was not on my radar at all. My it was uh, uh, my boss at the time brought it forward to me, and he said, "I think you'd be really good at this. Do you want to give it a try?" And at first, I'm like, "What? Like women don't do that? And are you kidding me?" And he's like, "No, like I think you have the right vo- voice for it. Just give it a try. Give it a try." And luckily, I leaned into it, and I loved it. I had the the honor of of watching the guys at my studio do it day in and day out and see the work that goes into it and understand the fundamentals of what makes a good play-by-play person. And so I think having that up-close personal relationship with these guys helped me digest it a little more and understand the scope of what you're doing and the hard work that goes into it. So I got to give it to to Kevin Northup from Yarmouth, Nova Scotia. He was the voice of the Mooseheads at the time and really showed me the ins and outs of how to get it done. Um, and from then on, it was just all about reps and finding opportunities and uh, getting better. And I don't, you know, I, my old boss sent me one of my games from like, way long ago it was one of my first ever it was a girls soccer game so I've done hockey I've done soccer ringette basketball I've done a lot of sports and he sent me one of my soccer games where I I remember I didn't even have the full roster I had one (laughs) team and maybe four or five numbers of the other team and that was it it was high school girls soccer game and I was just like oh my god I can't even listen to this so to see how far you I've come I'm, I'm you know excited to see what you know the next five years can bring but um Play-by-play was certainly something that was never on my radar when I was first getting into this. Well, once it gets on your radar and you start doing it more regularly, you know, what do your goals sort of become? Is it is it to get to, um, you know, to an NHL level? We saw, I, I don't know whether it would have been on your radar as you started to move along. We saw you make your debut at the World Juniors this year. <laughs> um, I don't know, was that a, a bucket list item? Like, how do these opportunities, I'm sure as the opportunities start to come, you start to be able to see a bigger future for you right like oh i can do this this opportunity might be there i'm i'm sort of curious what your as as you developed what your goals became yeah i think it's saying yes to opportunities um you know the more i did women's hockey with tsn the more i 100 wanted to stay around that and to now be calling the pwhl i would definitely say was a bucket list item yeah. uh so i'm certainly loving those games that i get to do and just with whether it was covering the QMJHL as that went on and the World Junior Game, just saying yes to opportunities when someone presents it, even the role in itself, saying yes, um, I think is what I'm up for. And whatever comes down the line in the future, doing an NHL game one day would certainly be another bucket list item for me. 
um, and just staying around the women's game as well. So I think having a balance of both would be a, a dream opportunity, but um, what's kind of nice about where I'm at now is also reporting and having that diversity in yeah. my in boxes, being able to do both. I really do enjoy um, covering a, a, a local NHL team, like a storied franchise like the Montreal Canadiens really is another dream gig. My father's from Montreal, my whole Shot by my dad's uh, family's French Canadian. So, in their eyes, I've really hit the jackpot. Of course, yeah. <laughs> this franchise. Um, so, a little bit of both. I really am enjoying dipping my toes into into many opportunities. Well, before we get you out of here, I have to talk to you a bit about the PWHL because they have gotten off to a roaring start. And I guess maybe just quickly before I, um, you know, before we get into it too deep, I'm I'm curious when you're sitting over in Sweden with the world juniors going on on new year's day and the PWHL is, is firing up. I know it's an off day at the world juniors, but is there a part of you that like is looking at that going and this opportunity I have right now is awesome, but I would love to be back doing this game or, or being part of the the launch of this thing because you've been so synonymous with the women's game in Canada now for a while. Yeah, I think it would have been an incredible opportunity. Um, it's tough, right? I, you've got two wonderful events to be a part of. Um, it was funny. It was a, a snowy night in Gothenburg, Sweden, because we were six hours ahead and we watched the game and, you know, seeing like just some of the people that are synonymous with the game, like Cheryl, be on that call, seeing her emotion. Like I felt like I was living through Cheryl and Tessa in that moment, two women I've really gotten to know over the years. Um, but I thought that broadcast was was incredible. And I think they did a great job of making you feel like you were there, even just by watching. Um, so, of course, that would have been something I would have loved to have, to have been a part of. But I am now. And being able to do my first ever game in Ottawa in that rink where I used to skate on um, on that ice and um, go to 67's games was kind of my own little dream opportunity as well so um i'm excited to to do more games and cover the the local team here in montreal as a reporter and i'm sure i'm like a couple weeks late i guess into it but (laughs) i'm happy that it's that it's happening yeah i managed to get down i was lucky enough to go to the home opener here in ottawa at td places on the second and it was it was loud it was enthusiastic it was obviously full they kept you know it seemed like every week they were like okay we're opening up a couple hundred more tickets okay we're up like i don't i didn't know where they kept finding more seats but uh they did keep rolling it open it was great to be there um is that like if they had asked for your opinion going into this is that the rink you'd have chosen because it does feel like now it it might be a little small but you know, it, it gives it a vibe too, right? And it's a hot ticket. It's, uh, you know, supply and demand kind of feel. Is that the perfect location for this team in Ottawa, do you think? Yeah, I think so, 100%. I think that gives such an intimate atmosphere. Um, it's funny, where we call the games, we're right up in the stands because I think the booth is under construction. I'm not okay. sure what's going on with the actual play-by-play booth. So they have us kind of right in the stands, like right in the heat of it. And I love that. If, if I look in front, it's media. And then the next row is fans. Right. When a team when a team scores, Ottawa, yeah. the fans jump up and cheer, and they're not really in our sight line, but I love it. It's yeah. you really feel like you're with everyone through the ebbs and flows of the game. So I do enjoy that. I think that venue is perfect. I think with, and and when they build the new rink, that's going to be even more incredible. But what they've done at Lansdowne Place with the restaurants, mm-hmm. with the accessibility, with public transit, that's it, right? That's the dream. Yeah. It's kind of like a date night, you know, sure. take the public transit in, grab dinner, go to the game, stay after for a few drinks, 
catch a movie if you want. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Have you done that VIP movie experience? I actually it's, haven't. No. Um, you, it's really good. Yeah. My sister lives not too far from there. And she says she'll like walk down with a friend and they'll like bring you a glass of wine and you watch your movie. Yeah. You can buy alcohol in that movie theater. <laughs> so it's a great little event. Also, that could be a date. There you go. <laughs> so I think Ottawa has really nailed it on the head. They seem to have gotten outstanding support by the Sens and the 67s. Uh, now they have a cool little dog named Lando. Yes. So I'm loving the Lando content. <laughs> um, I think they, I, you know, I want to see a game at CTC. That would be sweet. Like their final regular season sure, games. Yeah. Fans could get in uh, out in Canada. So part of me is holding on to maybe see if they could sell out CTC. That'd be pretty That'd cool. That'd be fun. Yeah. And it's, it is a cool location as it's centrally located, all the things you mentioned, but I think the other part of it is like, especially if you're already maybe a send season ticket holder and you're going out to Canada on Tuesday and Thursday and it's cold. Do I really want to go all the way out there again on Wednesday? Or this is now right downtown. Like you said, I can have dinner as well. It's not so far. Like I think the location for getting up and running at least is, is perfect. So um, yeah, absolutely. And Hey, and as a Stitz billion, I <laughs> have always been a fan of having that rank out in Canada. I bet. But now as I get older, I'm like, Oh God, <laughs> I see it. I get it. Ottawa. I understand. But I was just biased when I was younger. Cause it was like 10 minutes away. hundred <laughs> uh, percent. Who do you like so far? Minnesota, I guess has been, uh, you know, the easy answer. They've gotten off to a great start. Toronto struggled a little bit. Um, you know, what have you seen so far and, and who are your early favorites here? Yeah, Minnesota is so fun to watch. I think when you have Taylor Heisey, the first overall draft pick, things are going to be looking pretty good for you. And I liked how I liked her playing with Kendall Quinn Schofield in the sense that it's kind of the current icon of women's hockey, Kendall Quinn Schofield, and her center is the next generation of the game in Taylor Heisey. So I think just the optics of seeing them on one line yeah. is kind of is kind of cool. I think they have the offensive threat. Uh, when you have Nicole Hensley and Maddie Rooney as your goaltenders, that's also a dynamic duo. Uh, I think Ottawa's going to get better with time. Uh, they already are very strong. They can play a consistent game. I think finding ways to finish will always be important for them, but they have depth on defense, which I think not many teams do have that. I think like, their first three, four picks were all D, weren't they? I, yeah, yeah, like they were strategic in that. And general manager Mike Hirschfeld is very excited for what he's building. So I think as time gets on, Ottawa is going to be like one of those sleeper teams people need to watch out for. And Boston, just because of the firepower, Hillary Knight, Alina Mueller, Lauren Gable, if anyone saw those highlight real goals she scored the other night in Toronto, I think was beautiful. It was bar <laughs> down. It was kind of like Grace Unwinkle's jailbreak goal. Beautiful. So if Hillary Knight, Lauren Gable, and Alina Mueller get on a line, I think everyone needs to watch out. That could be uh, that could be pretty pretty deadly. Right. Um, so Ottawa will have them next week. I think Boston's good. Toronto, I think as well, needs to find some some depth there. Some people that can finish. They can get the puck in the offensive zone. Jocelyn Larocque and Renata Fast can get the puck down there, and then it's about what can you do with it. And I really want to see them play. They've got you know Rebecca Leslie, who's actually from Ottawa. She has an unbelievable shot. So does Howard. Uh, so I want to see them getting opportunities to shoot the puck more. Maybe that means power play time for them, but that'll come. Everyone's still, what are we like a five, six games in finding sure. time, finding the chemistry. Um, but that's kind of my first early thoughts on, on thought on who's hot and 
what can they do to, to get some rhythm? You mentioned there that Minnesota team having kind of a generational line or a generational combination at the All-Star game here in Toronto in a couple of weeks. I guess we're going to see the international incident line because I, I believe I just read that they're going to play Poulin, Knight and uh, Coin Schofield as one unit, uh, which will be fascinating, I guess, to watch. Uh, we don't see them play together a whole lot. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. It, it's so cool. I love it. I mean, that's what I've been saying here in Montreal when Knight comes to town and Boston and Montreal. Like, will that be a heated rivalry? I think, you know, are we going to bring it back to to late 60s Bruins Habs, like John <laughs> Beliveau, Phil Esposito? Like, are we, are we tapping into this? Are we? I don't know. So well, it's I a fascinating to- dynamic, right? Because... On the men's side, it's all these club teams who come together and they play at the Olympics like once a year, a world champion or once every four years, a world championship once a year. And it's like, how are these guys going to get along? And this this league has now created the opposite. We know all these players from their national teams and now we're going to split them up and we're going to watch these rivalries develop at a club level. And it's like, how are they going to integrate with each other? They've played so hard against each other for so long. I think that's a fascinating dynamic. I know. It's so cool. Yes. I can't it's it's here it's happening and uh to be kind of on the front lines of it all is pretty incredible well Kenzie one of the things we like to do around here is uh is have a a local craft beer with our guests when we can and I know you're scheduled incredibly busy right now so maybe down the road a little bit when uh, things lighten up for you we can get you in studio when you're back in town to visit and uh and we can connect again then I have coffee we can cheers on some coffee there there. you go we can toast that so uh I appreciate your time thank you so much Kenzie appreciate it anytime all right, there she goes, Kenzie Lalonde. That was a lot of fun. Cool to catch up with her for the first time and um, and just kind of talk a little about her journey, her career, um, but certainly, you know, the state of, of international hockey right now on the women's side uh, and obviously her perspective on the World Juniors being up close with the team there as it didn't go particularly well. Uh, kind of cool as well. And, and certainly nobody following the PWHL any more closely than Kenzie as well. So lots of great stuff there. Really glad she made the time for us. Don't forget... Wednesday morning, Scott MacArthur is on the podcast talking football and talking Blue Jays. Thursday, Kevin Mickey will be here talking about uh, whatever else is in the news that day, plus WWE Royal Rumble and uh, and his new gig with PWHL Toronto. And we will uh, try to catch up with Lever Sage later in the week. We'll see if he's made himself comfortable in Portugal after moving on from, from Italy. And that really is the hiccup at this point. Will he be set up? What's the internet like? Uh, where is he at that point? What have they got planned? So those are sort of the hitches we're working through as we try and find a window uh, to get it done with uh, with Lever Sage this week. But uh, we're confident that that's going to happen. going to be a good rest of the week ahead here on the show. I hope you'll stick around. I appreciate you checking out this one. Uh, thank you so much for listening. My name is Matt Robinson. We'll see you Wednesday morning with Scotty Mack. That's it. Cannot work under these conditions. If anybody wants me, I'll be downstairs at McDougal. Call the weekend guy. I don't care.